Junior hockey, it's back in pre-tournament form. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. What's going on, guys? Cody Jansen, Adam Irwin, Trent with you here. World Hockey Report Live coming to you on 12-ounce sports. Lingo TV channel 761. What's going on? What's shaking this morning? Yeah, we got a big show, as always. Lined up today, Gord Miller, the voice of the world juniors. He's going to be hopping on the show. In about 20 minutes' time, 15, 20 minutes' time. Then later on, goaltender from the 2005 World Junior Team, the best team hands down of all time, Jeff Glass, going to jump on. We'll talk some World Junior memories with him, dive into a few other things. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, as always. Thanks to our sponsors, mybookie.ag, promo code 12OZSports. Sign up. They're going to match your deposit up to $1,000. Snapping it over to Saskatchewan this morning. It's uh, the post-birthday boy, I guess. Jordan Year. He said it 19 times. I hope you figured it out. Adam Erman Trout with us right now. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. You're making me get up early for this one, hey? Oh, geez. Nine o'clock Saskatchewan time, and we're going to call it early. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can even go that. out to the bars. Oh, you can go out till 10 for with three other people. Um, so I'm still recovering from one of those nights. So you went out with your brother and sister or what? No, my, my brother and another another buddy who's who's leaving soon. Fair enough, fair enough. Get up to anything fun though? Like, like was it pretty chill? Like nothing's really happening? Yeah, pretty chill. Like went out for some drinks. Last call was at 10, so went out for some drinks so one night and then we went. Where, where'd you go, the, Cactus Club? The alarm's going off. Um, We went out to Leopold's for a drink and then... Um, yesterday we went to the golf simulator, um, which is pretty tight. Is that one where you could go and like try out different courses? Like you can go and golf Pebble Beach essentially. Um, yeah, but they didn't, the people, whoever owns the place, they didn't buy like the full version. So they only got like 15 courses. Pebble Beach is locked. That sucks. You got screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's still pretty cool though. Like. Like not not like a hundred percent accurate, but still like pretty close. Fair enough. I mean, we got a lot to get to here, hockey wise. Although I do want to talk golf for an hour, but we had some pre-tournament games. I mean, I, I said we would get into it. Switzerland beats Austria three two. USA beats Finland. I think seven was three two as well. I do believe, if my math is correct. There, let's let's start off with the Switzerland Austria game because. It was the first one. You know, we got to see a couple of goals. We got to see Marco Rossi in action. There was a ton of penalties. I thought that was weird. Marco Rossi went and decked the guy from behind. You know, there, there's a little bit of physical play. But all in all, I mean, these two teams hypothetically should be getting slaughtered in this tournament. But at least they're a good matchup for each other. You know, we got a little bit of intensity. We got a little bit of, you know, back and forth action. Switzerland goes up 3-1. Austria makes it close. All in all, I thought it was a pretty fine hockey game. I don't know. I mean, everyone's going, oh, Switzerland got lucky. They're playing Austria. Hey, sometimes you play to your competition. I don't know. I don't don't think this is a Swiss team that's set to upset anyone. But that's just what I got from it. No, I don't think Switzerland. Like, usually Switzerland has at least, like, one guy who... Who can who can kind of carry the mail for them, and they really don't. I mean, they have the guy Portland Simon Kanak, who looked good yesterday, but he's not. Um, he's not your typical like Swiss stud that they have. Um, I was so confused though, because I'm watching the watching the game, and uh, Austria gets a minute long five on three, and Marco Rossi wasn't on to start it. Like I tweeted, I was like if they're not going to ride this guy on every single power play, like how do they expect to even score this tournament? 
I think that was mostly they're just trying to get some of these other guys some touches. Like they're kind of confident in Marco Rossi in a sense, and like they know he's going to be good. They know he's going to be fine on the power play. It's more so let's see who can actually maybe play with him in a sense. I I don't know why they wouldn't use him. It really doesn't make that much sense now that I'm actually talking about it. But yeah, like he's he's going to have to score three, four goals if they want a chance to win a hockey game in this tournament. No, I agree. Do they have to wear masks in the penalty box? I don't know. I didn't see that. I, thought, wearing... I think I, yeah, I, I saw one of the guys wearing a mask in the penalty box, which just honestly doesn't make sense. Like if you're going to be out there like sweating and all and spitting all over the place, then you got to go throw on a mask in the box. Like, I wonder, is it because there's penalty box workers? Yeah, but they're like nowhere near them. I thought, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not too sure on that. Also, uh, some breaking news right now. The OHL is pushing back their February 4th start date. That's per the boys at uh, Tarps Off Hockey, Chris Mancuso. They just sent me the, the link there. They are pushing back their start date from February 4th. It's going to be TBD right now, but uh, not a like pretty pushing situation. back at this point means... Uh, it's gassed. I mean, just, yeah, just cancel it. Yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah. no chance that works out. No, everybody will have to get like their eligibility or whatever. So there'll be like, what, a four or five year gap with 21 year olds? Like, and what? Okay, I guess we might as well get into it while we're here. So the WHL also pushed back their draft. Adam, is this not the perfect time for the WHL to kind of, you know, smell the salts here and get going with a 15 year old draft and kind of ditch this whole Bantam draft thing? Yeah, that's a good point, actually, man. Like, like I, I've never really understood it because a lot of the time, like I don't know, like if you look at the draft in the dub compared to the O, I think the O is a lot more accurate because it seems like there's such a big gap, like fourteen to fifteen, like fourteen you're playing against Bantams, fifteen like you're playing a minor midget type or whatever. So like you can almost like get that extra year of development and see like who are the kids with the beards who are just good because they have beards and then who are the kids that um, that actually have room to grow. So, no, I agree. This would be a good opportunity and I don't know if this one's realistic, but isn't the NHL always talking about like a 18 or 19-year-old draft too? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I've I've heard some rumors on there. I know even Craig Button did mention kind of combining them and just like getting rid of the whole draft this year, which would be very weird. Like a 400-player draft. I mean, it'd kind of be awesome. Like if, if you look at this draft, and this is no offense to the players who are currently in it, but I'm not too excited for it. Like, you know, cool, you get Owen Power, Dylan Gunther. Like those are, they're, they're fine players. Don't get me wrong. But we're not talking Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid here. This is a totally different ballpark. No, it it is, and I mean, like last, like the last how many years? There's been a clear cut number one, right? Like, I, I, it's hard to think of a time like there wasn't. Um, but this year, it's not as clear cut, I guess. But yeah, my dog's just going crazy right now. That's awesome. Hey, it makes for a little bit of a uh, background noise. Okay, moving back to the World Juniors, we got enough draft talk out of the way here. Uh, Finland, USA. Uh, Spencer Knight lets in a softie to start. I'm going, oh boy, I pumped his tires way too much. He bounced back. He was solid. I mean, it's not like Finland was anything that special. Like, everyone kind of pumps Lundell's tires. He only really stood out a couple of times in the game. It's, it's tough. I mean, he doesn't really have that much to work with, but for for a guy who was really having his tires pumped, he didn't impress me that much. He wasn't like a Zegris or a Caulfield out there. I thought Turcott had a couple of bad plays or questionable plays, maybe not bad, but there was there was a couple of things that you're just like, okay, the Americans definitely they don't have the chemistry yet, but they've got a ton of skill and they're gonna be a firepower team. I mean, a three-two game is not what this one should have been. I mean, they had multiple posts. I think, I don't know if Finland started their backup or not, but it was just, it, it was a little bit of a weird dynamic because once you go in the third period, you're shooting on a different goaltender and now they're trying to figure that guy out. So I think that kind of halted them a little bit. But all in all, I mean, 
this is a stab to take, but Canada should run over Finland. They did not impress me at all. Yeah, like, once again, I guess I don't think Finland has, outside of Lundell, like, I think they're still pretty young. Like, they have a Nolan D who's good, but they don't really, I don't think it's their year either. Um, and Lundell, like, I think he's your classic Finnish player where he's just good all over the ice and isn't necessarily going to be the flash and dash type you see from other countries. But I, I'm not sure with him. And I mean, the Americans obviously like first preseason game, but finally it looked like Cole Caulfield was going to do something this tournament. He's pretty fast. Eh? There's that one play where he's skating backwards with the puck and he's just buzzing out there. Yeah, he was dancing a bit. I mean, obviously way different doing that in a pre-tournament game than in a game against Canada or Russia, but... We'll okay, Zegers had nine assists in the tournament last year, I believe. I think he beats it this year. I mean, this is a guy, and everyone's like, oh, like you're so shocked at this spinner out pass. I literally just pointed out the fact that it was a sick pass. But like that shades of Patty Kane right there. That is next level... You know, to do it at that speed, that accuracy, to put it on Sanderson's tape. And, I mean, hey, the, the Tendy makes a great save, but come on. Like, if Zegers is going to be making those plays, he should have 10-plus assists in this tournament. Because if you think about it, who's who's the weak team in their pool this year? Is it the Czechs? They got Austria? Um, probably would be Austria, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think they got Austria in their, their pool. So, I mean, they're going to put up probably 10 on Austria, if not more. They're going to put up six or seven on the Czechs. They're going to put up three to four on Russia. They're going to put up four or five on Sweden. So if we're talking about 30 goals or so in the tournament, that might be high, 25. There's no reason why you can't have 10-plus assists. Yeah, I mean... Four or five on Sweden seems a little generous, especially... No, no, four or five goals. Four or five goals. Like, for... Like, do you think they'll beat Sweden 5-4? Yeah, yeah. Just high-scoring games. Um, Yeah, come on. I mean, them defensively, they weren't that great. Like, if it's anyone... And I'm not here to rip on Anton Lundell. I think he was kind of gassed towards the end of it. But there were some great chances where Finland just made stupid mistakes, like odd-man rushes and stuff, partial breakaways that just weren't even scoring chances because it was Finland. Yeah, and also that that Caulfield goal where he he went back kind of shelf, like not taking anything away, it's a great shot. That can't go in on a goalie. No, no, I mean, that's a World Juniors goal, right? That's not, that's not an NHL goal. That's not a gold medal game goal. It shouldn't be at least, right? That's, that's just, it's World Juniors. They're kids. It's pre-tournament action. Yeah, no, for sure, I'm... I think it's possible. I think the the coolest thing about Zegers last year was Chris Peters said this. All nine of us were primaries too, weren't they? I believe it's something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, Peters would probably be the guy to ask around that. But I mean, any yeah. other any yeah. other thoughts on this game? Like, did you watch Knight? Do you think he's uh, the best goalie in the tournament, or what? Yeah, it's it's hard to argue that. Like, Askarov's getting a lot of love, but. I mean, he was just horrendous last year, so it's hard. Um, it's hard to choose overnight right now. I, I know the the Swedish goalie Alan Felt or whatever is getting some love too. So, and we'll Felt's solid, but I don't think he's that great. I actually really like that Slovakian kid, that Talavage, but he's always on such a bad team, right? So, like, you know, he can he can stand out for one game, and then the next he's letting in eight because he's facing you know, just outrageous opportunities that he'll never face in a normal game. And this is his third World Juniors, too. Third or fourth. It's wild how many times he's been here. Slovakia's kind of, like, fallen apart the last, like, five years, hey? I Who was I talking about? I think I was on a show a well, while ago. Well, Elliot Friedman was talking. Him and Merrick went into it for, like, 20 minutes on their podcast where it's like, like, who are the Slovaks left in the NHL? Um like it was Hosa Chara and like I think that was it, man. 
Well, here's the thing, is that ever since Miroslav Shatan took over the country, it's been an absolute joke. They pump their money into certain teams, and that's that. Like, they 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 just try to keep that KHL team afloat for so long, and they ended up going, like, 10 sheets in debt. It was an absolute pathetic joke. No one cares about it. There's Slovak League's garbage because all they do is pump money into certain teams. You know, they, they tried to have a U-20 program, which they burnt to the ground because they put them in the top league and they couldn't compete. They're getting smacked 10-1 every night. Doesn't make anyone any better. You know, they, they just don't develop anyone anymore. And I see why Slovak kids don't even want to play. They don't have a chance unless you come from the right last name. You know, it's that that's just the Slovak mentality. That's Eastern European mentality at its finest is they pump, you know, money into people's kids and not into programs, not into development, not into this. It's, oh, if you've got money, you know, we'll send the top Slovak kids to prep school. We'll send them to these special summer trainers camps and stuff like that. That's why Slovakia has really gone to shit. Yeah. I mean, if it were up to me and obviously like you've, you've been to Europe and you're more invested in the European hockey, but if it were up to me, like, and this will never happen, but, I'd like to see this tournament just be, you know, like 10 teams like Canada or 10 teams like 10 powerhouses. And it's probably never going to get there. But, you know, I'd like to see this tournament competitive as possible, right? Because this year you look at Canada's pool. If they lost a game, people's like they'd light their hair on fire if if they're if they lost a game this year in the round robin anyways. It'll never get to that. It won't. It won't. Uh, I, I mean, actually, the the only thing left, I'll say, on European junior hockey is they're so focused on playing games within their country. That's the biggest. Like, Europe's a totally different beast than Canada. But, like, imagine if Saskatchewan was like, we're just going to have our own major junior league and we're just going to take players from Saskatchewan. That's exactly what it's like. Like, there's no reason a team from Berlin shouldn't be playing, like, Bratislava, Prague, Vienna. Like, there's no way that you can't have those and, like, have an actual powerhouse junior league where guys will develop and play against the best players. But, I mean, they're a little selfish like that. I get it. It is what it is. Okay, moving along. NHL news. Um, what's your thoughts on the offside real quick? A little change I like, where, like, your foot can be elevated now. I, yeah. I mean, whatever. Um, big book. No, I like it. I mean, it was getting so damn ridiculous at some points last year where you're like oh this guy's foot might be on the line it's hard to tell with the camera and then you go into that blue line board camera which is like shot through a screen door and you're like yeah i don't know and i mean it's it's more offense and and half the time with the offside rule like they get 30 seconds of zone time and score and they're like "Ooh, gotta skip back 30 seconds of the game so my i like it like it's getting to be a joke with like how irrelevant the actual offside play was to the goal that was getting scored. Like Matt Duchesne just ruined the NHL with his offside. <laughs> wow. That linesman ruined the NHL by not calling it. I think that's fair. I mean, I, we don't really need to touch on it that much. It was just kind of something the NHL slid in there. Um, advertisements or do we not? No, let's talk about advertisements last. Let's talk about the turn act deal. I mean, another just good deal for Tampa, right? You know, if Kutrov goes on LTIR, it's going to save him some space, but yet again, you lock up a solid defenseman at around that $3 million mark or just under. Yeah. No, I <laughs> mean, it's just the, some, the benefits of Tampa. Some people are like, oh, like classic Tampa, like, like how convenient that Kucherov gets hurt. It's like, oh, really? It's convenient that their best second. Yeah, like you think they want to like, play this season without their best players? Shut up. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, nope. Cernak's solid. Like, I think it's a fair deal for, for him and the team. Like, I don't think he's much an offensive guy, but he's a solid, solid D-man who is a big, great shot D-man, and those don't really grow on trees these days either. So, good deal for him. And then I think Blackwood just got the same deal, like three years, $2.8 million. Like, New Jersey's not putting all their eggs in that basket, but... I mean, it seems like maybe. a good deal, though, and I know it's New Jersey, but if you think about it, if they're competitive in three years, that's a that's a pretty good setup for them, don't you think? Yeah, and I mean, clearly I think they maybe expect him to be their goalie of the future if he uh, if they passed on Askarov to take um, Holtz this year. So, I mean, they had a chance to take a, a top goalie and didn't. So maybe they think it's Blackwood. 
Now we got Gordon Miller coming up next year on World Hockey Report. I got one more thing, though. We got to talk about these advertisements. Everyone's freaking out about them, Adam. I know it's kind of a joke at this point. They're doing helmet ads. Why are people mad about this stuff? Why are, like, if, if the NHL is going to bring in more revenue and it's going to mean the league's more sustainable, if it's going to mean the salary caps go up, if it means the players get more money, if it means the league gets stronger, why are people mad about it? I get there's, like, the purists that are like, oh, I don't want them on the jerseys. That's fine. Chuck him out on the helmet. Make your team an extra couple million. Chuck him on the pants. Bring that salary cap up, or you know, salary cap up again. You know why? Why are people so defensive against these little things that are actually going to help the league? Do yeah. fans not understand? I I really don't understand it too. And like, their helmets, like you can't even see them when they're playing. Like <laughs> no kidding. if you're getting, if you're getting mad that there's a little sticker on their helmet, when they cut away to a shot of the guys on the bench, like you're probably not a very happy person in general. And I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's money. The league's not a charity. Like they need to make money. It's a business and all that. And even if they get the, the ads on the jerseys, like I watch quite a few NBA games and you honestly can't tell, like, the Raptors have a little like Sun Life Financial logo on their yeah, but they're left. subtle. They're they're, they're yeah, subtle like logos, it's, it's and not I like, like that. soccer. Yeah, it's not like the Swiss A League where I mean you got these big like off colored bars and stuff. You know, you got a guy wearing a gold helmet and a green jersey because he's the top scorer and it's sponsored. I mean, that's not what they're doing here. They're chucking a little logo on a helmet or a jersey, and I think that yeah, that's enough. Yeah, already we got to take a break. Really matters. No, I, I agree with that, Adam. Okay, we got Gord Miller coming up next. Everyone knows him. World Junior Voice. I mean, he, he's just the best. It's Gordon Miller. I mean, this guy, him and Ray, I, I've said it before. I think Adam would agree here. That's the best play-by-play color combo in the world. There's, there, there's no one touching him right now in the game of hockey. All righty, let's go to commercial. Cody Jansen, Adam Urban Trout with you. Gordon Miller's after the break on 12-Ounce Sports. It's World Hockey Report Live. Cody Jansen with you here. 12-Ounce Sports Ingo TV Channel 761. Special guest, if you're a fan of Christmas time hockey, the World Juniors, you've heard of them. It's Gord Miller, brought to you by Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, the best drink in the game. Gord Miller, voice of lots of hockey, TSN, NBC. Gord, how's it going? Things are good, thank you. You know, just um, excited to get going here and uh, excited to see some hockey again. And I mean, hey, you know, you, you took some time out. I know you're juggling around probably in quarantine in Edmonton, doing a lot of prep for the tournament. What does that look like for you? Like, like how far in advance are you learning about these kids, their backgrounds, pronunciation, stuff like that? Well, I have the advantage of doing the Holinka Gretzky tournament, the under-18 tournament. So I, I did that in Edmonton in 2018 and uh, in uh, the Czech Republic in 2019. So I've seen a lot of these players before. And, of course, there are some returnees from last year. But I start looking, you know, the long list come out sort of late November. Um, this year, of course, the rosters are finalized early because the teams had to come into quarantine. So I got an advanced look at that. So, you know, you just sort of start looking around and, and getting it together. And then once the tournament starts, you're kind of ready to go. Fair enough. Okay, this this one was from Adam. I'm taking a couple off of his notes since he's not here. But he, you know, he's been to a couple of World Juniors. He said the one in Grand Forks and in Saskatoon. This is a two part question. Though. Is the Grand Forks team not the best ever? Right? Like, there's there's no question about that. And also in Saskatoon, when John Carlson scored, is that the quietest you've ever heard a building for a World Junior tournament? Um. Well, first of all, the O five team was the best junior team I've ever seen. Obviously, seven of those players played in the Olympics five years later. Um. As for the Carlson goal, well, there were a lot of American fans there, uh, a lot of American parents there. So I don't know that it was, I don't recall it being, you know, definitely quiet. Um, I think that, you know, it was a wild game. That, that gold medal game was a wild game. Um, both goalies got pulled. And so I just remember, you know, it being back and forth and crazy. Yeah, it was definitely uh, something else. Adam's a Saskatoon kid, so of course that one uh, broke his heart. Chris Peters brought it up uh, last week, and so it was uh, funny to see the reaction there. Now, taking a look at some of the lighter sides of the game, Gord, I mean, you've called so many hockey games in the World Juniors. Obviously, you're going to get some of the best games you'll ever watch. I mean, I think of a lot of those New Year's Eve classics against the Americans, but there's also some of the, you know, less interesting ones your 10-1 your 15-1 blowouts you know for for being a broadcaster how tough of it 
is it to stay engaged to, to, you know, keep staying interesting when some of those games, I mean, on paper, you're kind of like, well, this one's over before it even starts. Well, you know, you just, uh, you just do the game that's in front of you. And uh, when, when it gets to be a six goal cushion, Ray and I do trivia to keep it interesting. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, all you want as a broadcaster is a close game. Obviously they're, they're, they're far more fun to call, but you do get the odd mismatch. And the other thing though is for every mismatch, you get an upset and there's always, Every World Junior will have one or two gigantic upsets, and that's what we're always looking for. Do you have a favorite upset then that you called? Well, I, I think of a couple. Um, you know, Belarus over the United States in Grand Forks in 2005 was was an incredible upset. In Saskatoon in in 2010, Switzerland over Russia um, in the quarterfinal was was an incredible upset. Nino Niederreiter with the overtime goal in that one, that was a huge upset. What's the best individual performance you've ever seen at the World Juniors or the games you're calling? Oh, well, there's so many. You know, think back over the years, just, I mean, for so many different countries. Um, I, I guess, you know, Jordan Everly in 2009, that semifinal game, you know, he didn't just score the tying goal with, with five seconds to go. He, he scored the shootout winner for Canada. He was, Jordan Everly was always such a clutch goal scorer. I mean, it's not just that he scored the most goals for Canada. It's that he scored big goals. Um, I think about that. I, I would say, you know, Manny legacy in 93, the, the goaltending performance against Sweden was incredible. I mean, he, he stole that game for Canada. Couple of legendary ones right there for this season with, you know, the, the Canadian camp being a little unconventional. How are you getting some of the background on these players? Obviously you, you've heard of them. You've called them before, but I mean, are you calling coaches that they've, played for you know are you talking to any of the players stuff like that like how are you finding these background details i know ray as as a color guy kind of goes into a little bit more of that the the analysis but how are you kind of learning about them so what ray and i do every year before the tournament is call every player a junior or college coach uh and their agent so we we're doing that we've been doing that for the last week or so and and we call every every player's contacts and um and get some background on for some interesting stories and and Things like that. So we do that every year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any players in particular? Does it even have to be Canada, the States, you know, that, that you're looking forward to watching this year? Well, I think it's, you know, a bunch of players from a bunch of countries. I, I think Cole Caulfield from the United States, the Montreal first rounder, I think he's primed to have a big year. Um, you know, Yaroslav Askarov, the, the Russian goaltender, struggled to the Rural Junior last year, but he's a first round pick of Nashville. You know, in a lot of people's minds, He's the best junior goaltender to come down the pipe in probably the last 10 years. Um, and then, you know, for Canada, the, the defense pairing, if, if they stay together of Bowen Byron and Jamie Drysdale, you know, both top five picks in the draft, both dynamic players. I, I don't remember a defense pairing quite like that. When you start, you know, if you're looking at some of these, I mean, getting back to the pronunciation things, when, you know, you're looking at the Kazakhstans, Germany, you know, some of these unconventional countries, like how, when do you start researching the names? Who do you trust? Like, is there one person you trust? Are you getting multiple recommendations on how to say names? I mean, even, even the Russian team, right? There's, you know, a lot of stuff that's, you know, a challenging name to say, let's call it that. Well, there are, there are linguistic rules. That when you look at a name, you can kind of figure out what it's going to be. Like KH is silent um, in English. Um, so usually we go to the team manager and, and talk to him and, and get the definitive word from him. Do you have any stories about any time you've butchered a name on air? I mean, it happens to the best of us. I was, James knows our producer here. I was calling games at the world champion lacrosse last year. And I mean, there's some Serbian names that, I mean, as much as I could read about them for hours and practice, yeah, they may not have come out too smoothly. Yeah, you know, I, I can't think of a specific example. I, I do, you know, I, I do remember, you know, asking asking people, you know, how, how someone's name is said. And, well, I mean, the, the famous story at the World Championship was a, a guy named Bense Stipschitz. And uh, <laughs> Ray just mocked me mercilessly every time I said it, which is quite funny. And offered me a $50 prize if I would say Stipschitz dumps it in the corner. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man, you and Ray have uh, some of the best chemistry there. You've called so many games. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's NHL playoffs, the biggest world junior games. Is there one that sticks out? And I, I mean, just one that's the best game you've ever called. 
I, I honestly, you know, it, it's so hard to narrow it down to one because there's literally been hundreds, if not thousands, that are that are memorable. I mean, there's just been it, it's it's just hard to, to say one because you know between you know the NHL, the Olympics, the World Junior, the World Championship, everything else, it's it's really hard to pick one. And um, you know, the one that the people talk about the most is is that Everly game from 2009, the tying goal. Um, you know, that certainly stands out, but there's been so many over the years. I mean, you know, this year alone, the gold medal game in Ostrava was incredible between Canada and Russia. And then, you know, I did the five overtime game between Tampa and Columbus in the, in the bubble in Toronto for NBC. So there's just, there's just too many to narrow down to one. Couple of fun ones right there. Five overtimes. I'm sure your throat felt great after that. Like is the Eberle goal, your best call ever though, Gord, when you look back at it, and, and you know, you, you kind of listen back to yourself. Are you like, "Damn, I nailed that one"? Well, it's not really for me to say, so I, I leave that to <laughs> others to say. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy I called it clean. I, you know, I, it's certainly the one that that people talk about the most. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, you just try to, you know, you just you just do your best every game. People people have asked me, you know, did you have that pre-planned? I'm like, yeah, I sat down in my hotel room this morning, but if Everly scores with five seconds to go to tie the game, this is what I'll say. I mean, it just it just came to me, and uh, you know that that sort of that that moment gets replayed more than any other. I think. Voice of the World Juniors, Gordon Miller, my guest here on World Hockey Reports, Cody Jansen, with you. You know, we, we've dove into some of the technical stuff, but let, let, let's talk a little bit about the broadcast now. You're going to be at Edmonton. The rinks are going to be empty, and I know you know you called those playoff games for NBC. I'm assuming you probably did them remotely, so you weren't actually in the building. No, I'm, but you I'm know. Building. Oh, were you? Okay, okay. Well, yeah, let's just uh, scratch that then. Pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> so, Okay, so you're going to be in Edmonton, though, and the World Juniors always has electric atmospheres. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I think most people love it and are so engaged with it. What's the, from a broadcast perspective, what's, what's it like when you don't have a crowd to feed off of? How do, you, how do you not pretend or fake that energy, but how do you bring that life to the broadcast? Once the game starts, you don't really notice. You just don't, you just, I mean, obviously you don't lay out for the crowd, but, um, you know, I think the players and the officials would tell you that once the game starts, it's a game and, and you just do the game, uh, the way you do it. And so to be honest in the bubble in Toronto, I, I didn't really notice it. I was so focused on the game itself. You didn't really notice it. I mean, obviously it's different without a crowd, but you're just so focused on calling the game. You don't really think about it. Fair enough. Oh, I forgot you were in Toronto for NBC there. That's maybe that's why I was a little confused, but no, that's, that, that's interesting. Okay. You, you've worked with Ray for, you know, such a long time on these tournaments. What, what really works between you two that, I mean, Hey, we've, we've said it before. We think you guys are the best, you know, duo calling hockey games. What, what makes that connection? And when did you guys kind of realize like, Hey, yeah, you Gordon Ray, they click in the broadcast booth. Well, you know, Ray had a real tough, assignment at the uh, at the 2012 tournament in Alberta to take over from Pierre Maguire, who had, who had become sort of a larger-than-life figure for the World Junior, and Ray stepped right in seamlessly and, and was terrific. I think, you know, we're, we're really good friends. I mean, Ray and I have traveled the world together. We've spent a lot of time on the road together, obviously over the holidays for the last decade or so. But I, I think the amazing thing is I, I don't recall us ever having an argument. I don't recall us ever having a fight. There's been days where one of us has said, you know, I need a day to myself. But you know, I, I think we're, we're very good friends. I think we look at the game the same way. And, you know, he focuses on the skill of the game. I think it's easy to pick on people for making mistakes. But for the most part, he focuses on the skill. He knows the game backwards and forwards. He works really hard. And, and we get along really well. And so it's a joy to work with him. I, I, don't, I don't ever get up in the morning and go, oh, i got to do a game today. I, I look forward to every game I do. Every, every game presents its own unique challenges. And I think we both have the same attitude about it. And, you know, we really enjoy each other's company, which I think is, is a huge bonus. Well, hey, anyone watching, at least in Canada, who gets the TSN feeds, right? I think they all uh, really enjoy it. Gord, now I, I've heard, and I kind of know, that you, you're a fan of some other sports as well. And I think that soccer was one of them that I've seen you uh, tweeting about a few times. Do you have a dream sporting event to broadcast? Like, is there one event that you're like, if I could wake up tomorrow and be preparing to broadcast this, that's what I'd want to do? So I've hosted, you know, I've, I've been an on-site reporter for World Cup soccer. I would love to call an English Premiership game. I'd love to call an English Premier League game. I think that'd be a blast. 
Who's who's your team? Who who like what? What Arsenal. are the two teams? Arsenal. An Arsenal, you know, like an Arsenal Tottenham game or Arsenal Chelsea, Arsenal Liverpool, something like that. I'd love to do that. That's the dream. How many games have you been to over there? Probably 20, 25. Wow. Awesome. Awesome atmosphere. I mean, no one does it like the EPL. No, it's tremendous. And, and you know, uh, I was fortunate to cover the World Cup in, in 94 and 98 in USA and France. And those are some of the most memorable you know, sporting events I've ever been to. It's, it's, it's tremendous. That's great. Hey, Gord, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I know you're getting ready for uh, another awesome tournament. I know everyone's looking forward to watching it. So thank you so much for making time. My pleasure. Gord Miller right there, voice of the world juniors on TSN. It's Cody Jansen with you, 12-ounce sports. We're going to be back after the break. It's World Hockey Report Live. Cody Jansen with you, 12-ounce sports. Zingo TV channel 761. Hey, we're in full world junior mode. You guys already know that. Thanks to our friends at Coco Vodka, Coco Rum. They're hooking us up, setting us up, getting ready for this. We got summer skates as well on board. And hey, we got to bring on the good guys. We had Fucali earlier this week. Let's stick with the goalies. Jeff Glass joins us now from the great city of Calgary. All right, you no need for any fluff intro here, Glass. There, let's talk about that 05 tournament. Not just Team Canada either. Like, like how good was that tournament in general? Because that Russian team even playing the finals was nasty too, right? Yeah. No, it was. Uh, it was obviously we were a pretty solid team. We looking back now, I think. Uh, as time goes on, our team even looks better and better than it did at the time, which is uh, hard to believe. But e- each year, you know, it- it's kind of cool because we get, you know, named the best team or one of the best teams ever. And, and that past season, somebody went on to do something special, whether it was the National Hockey League or um, Olympic gold medals or whatever. So I, I feel like every time one of my teammates uh, goes on to do something great, the, uh, the conversation of the 05 World Junior Team comes up uh, and it's pretty cool for me. Yeah, Jeff, I, I want to ask you like kind of more about the team. I actually went to the gold gold medal game in Grand Forks, and all I remember, like I was never nervous or anything. It, like, was that tournament? Like, obviously, it's a great tournament, but like your closest game was three one, and then you're being powerhouses like Sweden eight one, Finland eight one. Like, was there ever a doubt that you guys weren't going to kind of run over the tournament? Uh, it's funny you say that. I, looking back, it obviously looks that way. But at the time, we were such a focus group. And, you know, a ton of credit goes to uh, to Brent Sutter, our coach. And just having the guys prepared, I, I, I got to do a kind of a reunion call with Sean Bell not long ago. And he brought up a great point, I thought, was, you know, a bunch of those guys were returning from the year past. And um, it was a heartbreaking loss the year before in Finland. And they came back and they added a couple guys like myself that were new and and whatnot but it was it was that focus that mentality right when we got to the rink um it wasn't about winning it wasn't about what line you were on it was all, all these cliches right but it was just you scored a goal onto the next you won the game onto the next and it was just like it was so it was just a march forward and then all of a sudden the tournament was over and i don't mean it to sound that way but it really was so looking back you see the scores and yeah it looked lopsided but it was really just about your next shift. And Brent had us in such a good mentality that um, there was no egos. There was no nothing. It was just, it was, everybody was, was pushing in the same direction. And that was probably the coolest part. What was it? I want to talk about the dressing room a little bit. Like, what was it like with all of those up and coming stars in the room? Like, was there any egos that Sutter needed to tame? Were guys kind of just like, already, if I got to play a third line role tonight, I'm going to do that. You know, because you've really got four first lines. If you look at it on paper, how was that to gel together? Yeah, again, a credit to the coaching staff, which I I, I love making reference to because they do deserve a lot of credit for getting everybody in the right frame of mind. And then and then the credit shifts to a bunch of the players. So, like you said, guys were taking different roles. Corey Perry was our 13th forward to start the tournament, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, we had guys that just accepted what it was. But um, with that being said, like, I have to be honest, the, the dressing was unreal. Like, you have all these guys that are full of personality and and just because they were focused on the tournament and focused on winning doesn't mean that um you know some of the some of the chirping that went on i'll never forget you know anthony stewart and dion finuff or uh there was just guys all over that just had had personalities that you put them in, in a room like that or um a little bit of a stage it was it was good times so um one of the best rooms like you said you guys that get to that level and achieve of what they achieved are pretty special people on and off the ice. And so uh, to hang around with them off the ice in the dressing room, it was, um, we had some good laughs. That's for sure. 
Jeff, I don't know if we're going to get in shit for this from our followers, but we're all Western Canadian guys here. And I think a lot of the times it seems from our bias point when Canada doesn't do well, they have kind of load up on the Eastern guys, but you're your best tournament ever. Seven of the top 11 guys are Western guys and both goalies. I believe we're, we're from the dub just, What's the Western mentality like in the world juniors where it almost seems like the dubs are just look like these like farm boys, like who have to bring the, bring the heat, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're going to get in trouble for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like, uh, I, I was pretty proud of it. And, and I think guys should be being from Western Canada and, and, you know, the way we're raised and the way that, uh, you know, we ride the buses in the Western league and, and just the mentality that comes from, from the WHL, it's it's a um, it's a place I grew up playing, obviously, and I'm proud of being from there. And um, there definitely are values and 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 things that come with playing in the Western League. And I think that that year that was brought to the forefront. So I I, I wouldn't say that's a, a flaw or something we need to be ashamed of. If anything, we can pump our chests out and say, um, you know, look at what we did that year. So I, it was uh, it was really cool. There was no doubt about it. There was definitely a Western flavor, which. Um, I enjoyed and, and now it's even better now that we're done because most of these guys still remained out west and um, they're friends that I either keep in touch with now or run into here and there and it's uh, it's really cool because we all uh, like I said kind of share the same beliefs what was it like after the tourney like you win gold it's a huge high but you're also in the states and I get it no one's 21 down there like did they at least like rent out a conference room and let you guys have a little fun or what or is it just all business back on the bus 6 a.m the next morning Actually, it's funny you say that. So because it was the U.S., um, they had it all set on our gold medal. We were right back on the bus and straight back to Winnipeg. So um, <clears throat> for, for all the right reasons, I think. But <laughs> one, one of the good stories was as we got to the border, uh, and hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this, but we got to the border and there was you know a border guard um, with, a, with a couple cases of, of beverages for us as we crossed as a congratulations. So that was pretty cool. But it was straight back to Winnipeg. Uh, it was a couple hour bus ride and then we all had flights out the next morning. So straight to, I can't remember if it was Earl's or Joey's or something like that. They had rented out for us and, and we stayed there until your whatever, six, seven, eight AM flight. And, and then on, uh, back home to your junior city. Last question on the, the tournament here. What's it like being a goalie there? Because it seems like almost every year, like the guy who starts the new year's Eve game, isn't necessarily the guy who, who finishes a tournament. Just what's the pressure like of being a goalie and, what would you say to Canada's goalies this year? Because they got three guys, and I mean, any three of them could start or be in stands. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a lot of pressure on the guy, but um, I I feel like at least maybe there wasn't as much social media. I was, you know, I'm starting to sound like a dinosaur just talking about it, but it was <laughs> it felt like um, when I went there, it was like you know you had your group of guys, your team around you. Uh, and they supported me so like I, I knew if I did my job obviously they were going to do theirs the, the hardest part about playing on that team was just practice right like trying to keep up in practice but it was um, it was pretty cool so you know I've, I've, I've become pretty close with the goalie coach for Team Canada Jason LaBarber and uh, I've been in touch with him quite a bit over the last little while picking his brain on what, what, what the team's going to look like this year and especially the goalies and you know they, they pick guys now based on the fact that they, they know how they're going to perform in these pressure situations. And, and there might be guys out there that I don't want to say are better goalies, but, but maybe, you know, can shine. But when the pressure's on and you need a guy to make a save, or maybe you even need a guy to come off the bench because of the situation you guys mentioned about, it never seems to be the guy that starts is the guy that finished. You, you, you kind of start to find those guys as hockey Canada. And, and I think that's pretty cool that they've been able to, uh, you know, sort through the pile, let's call it, and, and find the guys that are uh, mentally strong, mentally capable, and almost welcome that pressure. And, and um, I, from talking to Barb's, it sounds like they're all three of them are fully capable. So it should be pretty good. Well, hey, Joel Holfer was not the designated starter last year. I mean, everyone was thinking Olivier Rodrigue coming into it and a good Western boy steals the show, wins gold in Czech Republic. Gotta love seeing that. I got one more for it, though. I, I mean, Glasser, you got any funny stories from that 05 tournament? Like anything that just sticks out that's like, what a crew we had. And you, you just can look back on it and chuckle. Oh, there was, yeah, oh, there's lots of that stuff. I mean, um, some some of the like I said, some of the best things I remember from that tournament are the memories, the the, the relationships you form with the guys, and um, you know we were able to get together that summer after we won, and they presented us our rings in Toronto. It was a golf tournament. It was fantastic, and you'd only been away for like let's call it six months, and then you get back to seeing each other again, and all those stories pick right back up. So 
I mean, to pinpoint one story where like it was just completely hilarious. There's, I mean, there was so many. I'll, like I said, I'll never forget kind of the chirp, the chirping that went on either in the dressing room or on the bus or whatever. There was, um, there was a few guys that were pretty, pretty good at what they were doing, and uh, you know, like I said, like Dion and Stewie, and there was a few others that that could hold their own. So you kind of wanted to stay out of the line of fire because if you maybe piped up, you might be next in line. So. Um, I'll leave it at that. Those guys were, um, they were comedians to say the least. And, um, it was never a dull moment any, anywhere near the rink. So Jeff, uh, get into your career a bit. Like you, you're in the minors for a bit and then you, it took like 10 years, but you finally made the NHL and like, was that like a bit of an emotional moment where you're just like, all this work is like, like I'm here and all that. And like, what was your first NHL start? Like, yeah, well, I was lucky enough. I got it in Edmonton, obviously there, and it was right after Christmas. And um, your guys' uh, your guys' show isn't long enough to tell the full story, but it was. Uh, I came home to Calgary. I was still playing in the minors at the time. Uh, flew back to Chicago um, on the 25th because we were supposed to practice on, on the 26th in the American League, and uh, landed in the O'Hare Airport. To my phone, missed I don't know how many calls and five voicemails from the GM raiding me for figuring out where he couldn't figure out where I was and said, I got to go back to the airport. Cause I was, I was getting called up to Chicago. Um, Crow was, Crow was out. And so I, I, you know, anyways, I drove to Rockford hour and a half out, picked my gear up, turned around back to the airport, met the team charter 7am the next morning, only to fly all the way back to Vancouver. Uh, we played the 27th in Vancouver, uh, got the, the wheels beat off us that night. And I kind of knew that was going to be my chance. So, um, I'd been up a couple times before and, uh, never had a chance to start, but everything was lining up there where, Hey, it's going to be good. So we landed in Edmonton, uh, got to the hotel at whatever it was in the morning and, and the goalie coach said I'd be starting that night. So it was a mad dash. It was about the same temperature it is out right now, minus 40. And it, you know, I trying to get my family up from either Calgary or, uh, my wife's family's from Regina. So we were trying to get everybody to Edmonton as, as best we could. And, um, I had a two month old baby, <laughs> so we were, uh, needless to say, it was, a, it was a little bit of a scramble, but got everybody there. And then, like you said, then the emotion kind of took over because, uh, at that point you're now prepared, right? You know, you've done everything you can do. It's just a matter of, uh, getting in the net. And uh, I was lucky enough, you know, I, I was able to face some shots early. That was the key. I think was like, I was able to, uh, make a couple saves early, touch the puck. And then, yeah, you just lucky enough. You got, you know, Patrick Kane on your team when it comes to overtime. And you win a game 4-3 against the Oilers. No big deal. I'll mention that since you won't. Hey, Glaser, yeah. I'm, I'm connecting some dots here. Okay, what year were you at the Spangler Cup? Were you, were you with Climby? Yes, I was. No way. What was yeah. that tournament like? I mean, yeah, he's been on the show. He's a great guy. Like, talk me through how fun's that tournament. Oh, good, good poll there. Yeah, no, we, uh, okay, so to, that was one of my favorite tournaments. Everybody says that, and nobody can understand why. They're like, what's up with this tournament over in, Sw- in Switzerland? And yada, yada. So I was playing in Russia uh, for Dynamo Minsk, but Dynamo Minsk obviously isn't in Russia, Belarus, Belarusian team. Uh, and they were, they were the only team, for whatever reason, the KHL religiously plays through the Christmas break, and they won't ever release players for the Spangler Cup. But because Dynamo Mints, they're out of Belarus. They actually took a five-day, seven-day break for Christmas. So I actually inquired to Team Canada. Me and Matt Ellison was the other the two Canadians. We said, hey, like, do you think we would be eligible for that tournament? We called in, and they're like, you guys can, you guys aren't playing? Like, this, of course, yeah. Like, we like we need guys like you. So long story short, end up getting to go to Switzerland. We, we come in hot. Like, we played in Bratislava, I want to say the 24th. And then it was like, Overnight flight, yada yada. Got to met the team in in, uh, in Davos. Um, uh, what's it? Guy Boucher was our head coach. He said I wasn't going to be starting the first game because uh, whatever long travel day got all good. So Drew, Drew McIntyre was the other goalie. He goes plays the first game, played great, really good. I think we won two one. I want to say or maybe three two. I got the second game. I go out for the second game. All of a sudden, like Max down in warmups, like like flopping around on the ice in warmups. I'm like, what happened? Like, and, and he's not playing, so I could, you know, like a backup goalie. Like, I don't, I've never really seen that. And so they're like carrying him off the ice in warmups, and he yanked his groin. It was no good. So um, that's insert Matt Climby, right? And and that was great. So I got to play the next game. He, I played the semifinal against the same team we played the night before. I just laid an egg like and it wasn't even that I played that bad but it was the fact that um 
the team came out and they totally changed their game plan on us. We were down, I want to say, 4-1 to start the second period or early in the second. And Boucher pulled me and put Climbing in. He played outstanding. He, he was, it was great. Like, held the fork down, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we come back to win. I think it was 6-5. I don't you'll quote me on that score, but I'm pretty sure it was 6-5. Uh, and then he came back to me and said, hey, you know, you, we're going back to you for the finals. And, and it was outstanding. But Climby was an unreal teammate. Like, drove in from Germany when he got the call that, uh, you know, Mac went down and you know, just, yeah, did his job and helped us win a gold medal. No, it's unreal. What a tournament. Okay, I got one last one for you here before we wrap up. I mean, you, you played in the K. You went to, like, you played Kazakhstan, Russia, and Belarus teams. Like, you got to have at least one funny story that sticks out to you where you're like, all righty, life is way different over here. Yeah. Oh, there's, like, again, there's too many stories to tell the old KHL stories. But, um, no, I, 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 that's always the number one question I get asked now is, you know, tell me something funny about Russia. And it's a hard question because it, you know, I really enjoyed my time. I have to preface every story with that. I, it was it was the best hockey uh, I'd played to that point in my career. I've never played anything. The hockey's unreal. The life was good, everything. But, there, you know, and Russians would admit this, they do things a little different, right? So there was um, little things, you know, you can go all the way back. My first year in Kazakhstan, um, you know, I got on a plane uh, and the plane's cargo wasn't wasn't loaded properly or whatever, so we had to actually stack all the hockey bags in the front row of the plane, the first six rows of the plane. So we played the tournament. We were on, uh, we were flying back to Kazakhstan from Omsk, which is like a I don't know, three four hour flight, uh, and all of our stinky hockey equipment is rows one through five. And and then and then the best part of the story was was the owner and the GM came because they wanted to like obviously scout, view the team, see where we were at. And the owner wanted to sit row one or two. And he's now row five. And not only row five, but he's, like, eating his dinner right on, like, buddy's jock strap that's hanging out of his bag, right? So um, I remember that being my first flight, being like, what's up with this plane? Now, uh, lots has changed in, in, as, as far as that's gone since then. But we uh, we got on the plane, and, and, and I remember thinking to myself, well, this is going to be a little different over here. And uh, that was the first of many, yeah. Oh, man, Glasser. We could talk for hours and tell those stories, I'm sure. But, man, we appreciate you jumping on in short notice and coming on. I really appreciate that. No, it was my pleasure. And uh, anytime World Junior Talk comes around, uh, my eyes light up. So happy to help. Man, appreciate that. Jeff Glass right there, 2005 gold medalist for Canada on World Hockey Report. Alrighty, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to be back next week, same time, same place. Everyone, Merry Christmas. Enjoy the World Juniors. It's the best time of the year. It's starting up on Christmas Day. For Adam Urbantrout, Jeff Beck, the team at 12 Ounce Sports. Huge thanks, Gordon Miller, Jeff Glass. Once again, until next week, everyone, be kind, be better.